our text for this morning is found in Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 to 39. If you have Bibles with you, uh, you may please open your Bibles and turn to Matthew 23, verses 37 to 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we, we long to see your face. But right now, Lord, we have your word to guide us. We have your word revealed to us, O Lord, revealing who you are, what is in your heart, what is your will for your children, for the people that you seek to save. I pray, O Lord, that we here listening right now to your word as a church, we would see, Lord, how much you really love us, just like what we just sang. Your, your majesty, your beauty, Lord, your mercy, your, your goodness, your love, it brings tears to our eyes because you are so good and we are not. You're so faithful and we're not. Oh, Lord, grant us, oh, Lord, that as we listen, we glimpse your heart, your majesty, your glory, and may that, Lord, because uh, change us, because nobody else, nobody else that, that, that sees you, Lord, no one that sees you, your love and encounters your love, your grace, your truth, can ever say, I'm the same. Change us, O Lord, by your word. Make our faith come alive as we listen, as you, what you have provided, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is now the last, the ending part of Jesus' last public sermon. As Jay has, has uh, preached to us last week, that he, Jesus was giving seven woes. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. He, this, is, that was his, his, no, this is now his closing statement. This is now his closing uh, words as he ends his last public sermon. He is days away from being crucified on the cross. He, is, he has he's now been in three years in the ministry. And what Jesus sees is breaking his heart. And so, as you listen throughout this sermon this day, I want you always to keep in your mind, in your heart, that when Jesus said these words, his heart was breaking. His heart was crushed here. 
So, may you not just hear words of uh, harshness or feeling like, oh, the Lord is condemning me with His words. No, listen. Listen to how He's saying it. Remember His heart, that it is, that it is from a broken heart that He is saying these words to you and me and to the people there. People call this a, a lament of Jesus. You know, a, a lament is simply a heartfelt expression of grief or sorrow. It is a passionate cry of somebody whose heart is broken. And so, I'd like to call this message a lament for the unwilling. You see, Jesus has been preaching the, uh, just that on, this, on this occasion to a group of people, the religious leaders, if you remember, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, who even though they've heard Jesus say the truth, even though inside they acknowledge that Jesus is saying the truth, even though they've seen for their very own eyes the evidence that Jesus is showing them, they refuse to believe in Jesus. And Jesus is telling them, why, why, why don't you just believe? The evidence is right here. And that, that was for the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees. But now, I want you to notice that there is a shift here. But before I give you that shift, let me just cement for, for us the, the main point that I'm going to give you for this message. God wants to give you this message. Is this. That God, it is God who equates that loving Him means there is a willing, a willing trust and obedience to Him, to His Word. So if we say we love Him, we don't, we don't say or we don't determine the terms. We can't say, I, love, I will love you, God, on my, in my own way. Jesus sets how we are to love Him and how He considers real love. And He says in 1 John 5, 2, 3, John will put it this way, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not heavy. They're not burdensome. You, you do it, you obey and because you're, there's a willing trust, there's a willing obedience now, or there's a delight now. And so, here is the shift. Remember, he's been preaching to religious leaders, Pharisees and scribes. Now, all of a sudden, he will, in his parting words, in his last words, he will say, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh you, the city of Jerusalem, the people in Jerusalem. So there's a shift now. You see, if we go, if we go to Kogon, uh, Kogon Market and, and we happen to watch a crime happen right before our eyes, there's a snatcher uh, 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 who runs and suddenly snatches a necklace or a cell phone uh, from a young lady inside a jeepney, right? And we witness the crime. And we see all around us, other people are also 
witnessing it, are, are, are looking at it, and, and there is a sense that we are the bystanders. See, we are not the criminal. We are not the victim. We are, we just happen to be there to witness the event, and we have nothing to do with what's unfolding. But if, when Jesus would now shift this to, oh, you people in Jerusalem, his broken-hearted cry is no longer just directed to the religious leaders, but everybody now who, who's maybe thinking, well, I don't have anything to do with this. I'm a bystander. We must also realize that for God, there is no neutral corner. See, there's no neutral corner with God. And, and, and that means we have to consider this for ourselves. Are you a believer a true believer of God, or are you part of His lament here? Are you breaking His heart with your life here? There's no bystander here. There's no middle ground here. Either you are His follower, His disciple, His child, or you are breaking His heart. You are a rebel, a sinner without hope. And so, what he, what, how should we consider warnings in the Bible? If you read your Bible, if you've been reading your Bible, you will encounter warnings, serious warnings, such as in Ephesians 5.5. that says, you can be sure. The Word of God tells us that this is a sure thing, a warning, a serious warning, that no immoral person, no sexually immoral person, no greedy impure person if you are in a in, in a active right now sexually and you're not married or if you're married and you have you are now committing adultery even if nobody knows there is a warning say that if you are practicing these things immorality impurity greed you will not see heaven it's a serious warning. And, and we've been taught that, hey, we're, we're saved not by our works. So what's that warning? Maybe uh, we'll just brush it off and say, uh, it's for others. It's not for me. How should we consider warnings in the Bible? A serious warnings. Let me suggest for us how Paul considers it. See, in... in, in 2 Corinthians 13.5, what does he say? Examine yourself. Examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. So he's commanding Christians, hey, check your heart, check your faith, test yourself. And where do you test yourself? Not according to your own understanding. You're to test your faith, the what you know about God in accordance to His Word. Is what I'm saying, is what I'm believing, actually what I'm doing. Actually, how I'm living it out. And why, is, why can Paul command that? Because he himself tests himself. Okay? He tests himself. And he says that, see, surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. As you test yourself in verse 6, this is where he tests himself. I hope you will recognize that I am doing it. I'm living it out. And that we have not failed the test 
in our apostolic authority. So it is a healthy spiritual exercise to check constantly how are we living out our faith because that is in accordance to the Word of God because the deception out there is real. People will tell you it doesn't matter how you live your life. It's okay. You're saved. No, no worries. And they will disregard portions of Scripture that will say otherwise. So be careful that you don't deceive yourself into thinking you have a form of Christianity that God recognizes. You go back to the Word. And so, isn't it the same? Why, would, why does a person go to the, to the doctor for checkup? You see, even if the person will say, I don't feel anything wrong with me, there is a wisdom, there's great wisdom in going to the doctor, going through all the tests, so that when, when something will come up, sir, your, your sugar level is high. See, what can you do? Now I can adjust how I live my life. Then there's great wisdom in that. So, let me show you that it is not only the, the shift here, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that is happening when Jesus means of this. Je Jesus is talking about a certain kind of person. Jerusalem here is supposed to represent a certain kind of person that is breaking the heart of God, that is breaking Jesus' heart as He's speaking he speak this word. See, if we talk about kamo taga oro Christian, kamo taga kagayan di oro, mga taga malakanyan, we are saying that there's a representation here, that there's a representing something here, right? We are trying to communicate that maybe people in Malacanang, in accordance to what we're trying to say, right? Oh, you people from the government, oh, you people in the business place, oh, you people in, in the educational sector, see? That, but what we're trying to communicate here is it, it's representing something. And so what's that? It is a people who have experienced the grace of God. It is a people familiar who knows God. It is a people who have experienced again and again the grace, the goodness, the truth of God. But there's something wrong here. Because Jesus is heartbroken and He's saying, How long have I longed to gather you in the family? And it's a broken heart. It's not happening. Why is it not happening? Because this Jerusalem, this people, here is His cry. I wanted, God wanted it so much, but the people that is representing Jerusalem don't want it. They're unwilling. They don't want it. They don't like it. See, so Jerusalem here represents a, a certain kind of person who will stubbornly remain unwilling despite how many grace he has experienced, how many wonderful truths, how many times the person has been delivered, saved, relieved, been blessed by God. He would, this person would find a way to say, no, no thank you lang. And be hard and unwilling. 
That's what's breaking the heart of Jesus right now. So let me show you what unwilling is. See, it is the stubborn. It is the, the, the pride, the proud heart of a person that would be disobedient. He would be so hardened that he would resist God's will and, and he would reject his word, his commands. That's the unwilling. And I get it from 2 Kings 17, 14, wherein God is saying, again, a, a kind of lament. See, Israelites, you would not listen. The Israelites, they were as stubborn as their ancestors who had refused to believe in their God. And, and they rejected His decrees and they, the, the covenant that He had made with their ancestors. And they despised. They looked down. They didn't think it was good. They didn't think it was anything special. And they worshiped other worthless gods, worthless idols. And we're not just talking here about one-day one disobedience. We're not just talking here about maybe for uh, one year, two years, and then there was a, a repentance that happened and the person uh, went back to the Lord. No, we're talking here about a set pattern of unwillingness, a set pattern of rebellion that you would see. And in Nehemiah 9, you would see a pattern here. See, Nehemiah 9, 23 says here that God who rescued a, a people for himself, gave them blessings upon blessings. Numerous, they gave them sons as num, uh, numerous as the stars. And, and he brought them, he saved them from a land of slavery and, and, and given them a land for them to, uh, to possess. And, and what happens is that, but they became disobedient. Somewhere down the line, the people that God had saved by grace, given them so much, becomes hardened, and they rebel against God. And they would cast the law of God behind their backs. And what happens is that they will now kill the prophets who will scold them, who would admonish them to turn back to God. And they will kill this prof the prophets. And, and they would then commit great blasphemies before the Lord. But then here's the thing. God would punish them. God would discipline them. God would break them. God would allow uh, uh, tragedies to happen in their life in order to make, them, to, wake, to make them wake up. And what they would do is they would say, Lord, save us, save us, save us. Sounds familiar? Is this sounding familiar to you? And, and what happens is this. When they would cry out for help for God, Lord, help me, I'm, I'm such a, uh, in big trouble right now. God would save them. God would save the people. And then what would happen is this. As soon as they would have a certain kind of rest. As soon as the coast is clear, they would go back to their old merry way. They would once again rebel against God. They would sin. They would turn against God. And that is the pattern here. The, the unwilling pattern, un, of, a pattern of rebellion, a pattern of uh, uh, unwillingness, where this is, happens many times in the person, in, in their generation. So in, in, in your life, if you're, you're seeing this pattern happening in your life, wherein God has been so good, you, you're, you're praising God when, when the coast is clear, you go back to your life of secret. You, you go back to your favorite sins, and, and you dwell there, and you're happy there until 
God will have to break you again, and then you come to God crying, Lord, help me, save me, save me. And then once again, when the things are, are clear, you go back. So if you're seeing that in your life right now, you're not the first one. And this is what's breaking the heart of Jesus Christ. And if it's present in your life, you are breaking the heart of God. See, it, it, the good news is this. Jesus has come to offer salvation to everybody. Why does Jesus have to come? Why does Jesus have to offer us the good news? Because the bad news is this. Everybody that has sinned will face the wrath of God. And the wrath of God is to throw you to hell. Everybody who has sinned is destined for hell. So here comes God who loves us so much that He gave His one and only begotten Son to save us. And the only way out of God's wrath, the only way to be saved is to believe in Jesus. So here's the tragedy. The unwillingness to believe. can't work your way around this. God equates loving Him with trusting and obeying Him. We can't say He will not recognize any other love aside from a willing, trusting, obedient love to follow Him. And so, He says it in John 14, 15. If you love me, you keep my commands. If you say you love me, then the result of that is a person willingly, gladly keeping the commands of God. He says here, by this you know that your love for God is real if you obey His commands. So could it be that there is a wrong kind of love existing in the world today? The people will assure you they love you, but in reality, is abusing you. Is it existing? Because, it, because I hear words like that all the time. People telling each other, I love you, but then heaps of abuses and wrongdoing is going on in the name of love. So don't believe in the lies of love that the world is selling you. God is love. The only one true love that we should follow and give to others for ourselves. And he's saying here that it, is, it, it, it results in obedience, a willful obedience to the command of God. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commands and there's a delight to it. It doesn't glorify God if it's forced. Young person, I see a lot of people, you know, common, common story, even for children growing up in the church like me. Our parents had to drag us to church. Young person, if you're worshiping God this day because your parents forced you and there's no dot of love of God for you in your heart, you're just here listening because you were forced to. That's not the kind of love that honors and glorifies God. That is not the kind of love that God recognizes as loving Him. And so, isn't that amazing to, to recognize that it's so easy, right? It's so easy to declare, 
I love God and so I will do things for Him. It's so hard to, to, to realize that I cannot fabricate an emotion here on my own. I cannot love God on my own. And for you to have no feelings, dead, we're singing praise and glory to God and there's just a deadness here, nothing. It's because you can't make it up. You can't fabricate it. God has to be the one to save you and give you the love, that love for Him. And so, maybe, dear person, if you're here and you don't feel that, maybe your, your cry should be, Lord, save me. I want to believe, but I can't. Save me. Maybe you need to realize you need to be saved rather than feel you're safe just because you're here and actually don't love the Lord. His commands are not burdensome for His children. Now, because there's no bystander here, I want us to ask a personal question. I want us to, to feel the broken-hearted cry of God and to also think, what would make me become unwilling to listen to God? What would make my heart so hard that I would rebel? I would, I would do away with what he, he tells me to do. Clearly revealed in His Word. Let me tell you, when you love something else more. I'll show you. That verse 37. Jesus saying, Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. What is the emotion that could drive you, give you the enough motivation to kill another human being? It is anger. Anger. Rage. Right? And so, it's it happens in Acts 7 that Stephen, the first martyr that was stoned to death, delivers a message of truth from God to the people in Jerusalem. And, and he, Stephen, this is Stephen's words, Stephen tells them the truth. You stubborn people, you are heathen. That means idolaters. You're worshiping other gods. You're saying you love God, but you're not. You're worshiping idols in your heart, and you're deaf to the truth. You are unwilling to listen. You're stubborn. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit, just like your ancestors did? And you deliberately disobey God's law. That's right. You're not forced into sin. You, are, you choose it for yourself. Every time you sin, guys, you, just, you don't say, it's because of circumstance. It's because of I was forced. It's because of them. No, no. You chose to do it. Jesus puts the spotlight in your personal choice. This is you doing it. This is your action. You decided this. And you deliberately disobeyed God's law even though you've received it from 
the hands of angels, meaning this is truth, this is certified truth, and yet you would not listen. And what happens? What happens when they hear the truth? They become so mad. They become enraged. They're filled with anger. And what do they do? This is a picture of somebody that's not liking what he's hearing, unwilling, and they're covering their, their ears with their hands and they're shouting, no, they will not listen. We don't want to listen. And they rush on him and they kill him. They stone him to death. And you can say, but that's, that's, that's anger. What has love got to do with anger? Anger is not an original emotion. You don't wake up in the morning angry. You get angry because you're triggered. Anger is a response to something. And when you, what triggers your anger? Your anger gets triggered by something you love. When something you love is put in danger, your anger, you get angry because now anger will now help you protect what you love. It will give you the energy to protect what you love. So when you love something other than God, when you love something more than God, when you hear the truth of God exposing what you love, threatening what you love, you will get angry. Timothy Keller said this, anger is a response to whatever endangers something you love. So imagine this, you have a, 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 a two-year-old, you're walking down the street, so happy, and all of a sudden, there's a drunk driver who swerves from the highway and is now on, on a straight path to your child. And so what do you do? You manage to save your your. your your child and you roll out of the way and you get up I don't think your emotion would be oh, I'm so happy today right you will get so angry you're gonna get so mad how dare you wait why do you drink when you drive and you and that's a good anger that's a right anger you should be angry angry when uh, and there's a so there's a good kind of anger right you should be angry with injustice you should be angry when when sin is happening, you should be angry when the, the heart of God is broken and, and many children are out there being abused by, by people. Yes. But then, if we're honest, if we're honest, you ask yourself, why do you get angry? And you don't get angry because your child was endangered. You're not angry because there's uh, child slavery uh, out there. You're angry many times for the wrong reasons. You're angry when somebody tells you the truth about what you're doing, confronting you. You get angry when, when people tell you that what you love is wrong. And why are you angry? Because you're threatened. Because if what they're saying is true, you will have to what? The right thing will have to be what? Give it up. But what if I'm not, I don't want to? What if I am unwilling? So I'll have to defend it. I'll have to, be, I'll have to go on the defensive. And I'll have to attack you. Jesus, Jesus puts it this way. 
Why do you get angry when people tell you the truth? And that truth is of God's. That's the truth of God. See, if that is the truth from the Bible, and I will tell you the truth from the Bible, why do you get angry? And Jesus says this way. He's talking to an unwilling, stubborn people here. And Jesus replies to them with their objection. I tell you the truth. You guys aren't free. If you are sinning right now, you are a slave to the sin. You, your, your sin is your master. Your sin is your Lord. You're following. Whoever you're submitting to is your master, is your Lord. And Jesus tells them, that's the truth. That's how the kingdom of heaven works. And, and, and now he's saying here, I realize, oh yes, Jesus, is Jesus still. Yes, I realize that you're descendants of Abraham. And yet, meaning you guys come from the father of faith. <laughs> and yet, some of you are trying to kill me. Some are already trying to kill Jesus because they're so mad. Why? Because there's no room in their hearts for the message of Jesus. They don't want it. They don't, they don't like it. They don't listen. If, and he says to them, if God were your father, you would love me. But then they don't. And he tells them this. Why? Why can't you understand? It's because you can't even hear me. You don't want to listen. You already want a... You, you know, when, when Jesus is talking, they're already forming some, thing, some thoughts in your inner head to rebut him, to discredit him. They're not listening. They don't, they don't hear Jesus. Even when Jesus is right there in front of them, even when Jesus is right there in his words, they're, they're speaking to them. They don't. And here is the reason. Because you are the ch child of your father, the devil. And here is where the heart comes out. And you love to do the evil things he does. Anger makes you murder people. Yes, anger is murder, said Jesus in Matthew 5 in the Sermon of the Mount. But you're angry because your, what you love is exposed. And what you're loving, if it is not the truth of God, if, if you don't love the truth of God, do you know that that is what Satan does? That is the nature of Satan himself, the devil. It is satanic. It is satanic to love lies rather than the truth of God. For Satan has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. He is a murderer from the beginning. When he lies, when he, that is just consistent to his nature. If you love something else more, you will hate the truth of God. And you will hate those who will tell you the truth. It, 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 that's why, even today, right? This is so, so familiar. Galatians 4.16, there's an apostle now, a sent one, saying to a Christians in Galatians, we, you used, guys, remember when I shared the gospel to you, we had such sweet fellowship, 
And now, when I had to confront you of a sin, I had to tell you the truth, I'm suddenly I'm now your enemy? Isn't that the reaction? That when people tell you truth that you don't like to listen, you attack them, you, suddenly they're the enemy, right? You forget everything that you guys have gone, gone through. The second reason that would make you unwilling to trust and obey God is this, when you trust something else more. Jeremiah 44, 16 tells us that when you trust something else more, you will say this, we will not listen to your messages from the Lord. We will not listen how many times you tell me or remind me. I will not listen. I will refuse to. I'll be unwilling. Why? I want to do what I want. Don't tell me what I don't tell me. Don't tell me what uh, what, what what works or what not. Right? See, we will do whatever we want. We'll burn the incense and pour out liquid offerings to the Queen of Heaven, just as much as we like. We we're, we want to worship other gods. We want to worship other idols. I want we want to do what we want. We don't want God telling us what to do. And here's the saying: When you're trusting something else, you will say, "Oh." Me and our ancestors, we've always been doing it this way. See, where's your trust now? Your trust is this. This is what I've been taught. This is what I've grown up with. This is, this is precious. This is family. This is tradition. If all of my family, if a lot of people are believing it, then this must be true. See, I'm trusting in other things rather than God's word. And, and what happens is this. For in those days, they will refer back to a, a, you know, just thinking of the good thoughts, now not remembering anymore what really happened. Nostalgia. For in those days, oh, remember when we, we were offering to the queen of, of heaven, you know, just as our ancestors, we've always had plenty of uh, things to eat. We've always been well off. We had no troubles. They're relying on their circumstance. Their trust is on how well they do. And what happens here is this. But ever since, you see, oh, we tried it your way, God. We tried, we tried to obey you. And what did we do? We quit burning incense. Oh, we stopped our idol worship. Oh, yeah. And then we stopped worshiping her with uh, liquid offerings. But what good did it give us? We have been in great trouble. And we've been now dying from war and famine. They're comparing. Because why? Their trust is in their circumstance. Their trust is not in the Lord. Their trust is in how well they do in life. So when they went into trouble because they did not know God, they, they went back to their idol worship. Oh, we'll just go back to the queen. See? If you're trusting in something else more, even if the word of God is already there, it's, you know it. You will say, I've been there. I've done that. I've tried it. It didn't work. You see, if you do that, oh, the, the, the church will be in trouble. A lot of people get angry at me. It doesn't work. God's way doesn't work. God's word is not reliable. It's not true. I'll rely my, on my experience now. I'll rely on the lessons I learned now. I'll rely on my own wisdom now. I'll rely on my own pride of life now and how life goes. And you don't listen. You don't want to. Because you tr your trust is not in God. You don't think He's good 
worthy, reliable. You've never really encountered His beauty, majesty. It's not important for you. Your trust is in something else. You trust in something else. So that's the second one. And the third one is this. When you are unwilling to pay the cost of following Jesus. You won't listen. You, you don't want to. Somebody said this. If you follow God, you are bound to disappoint someone in your life. Someone important. Someone you, who is precious to you. And if you are not willing to give up that life, if you're not willing to die to that, you will follow them instead of following God. You will cater to their wishes rather than to submit and follow willingly, gladly, the will of God. So I have a clarifying question for you. Who are you unwilling to disappoint in life? See, we, we live in a shame, honor culture. We hear it all the time. Don't do that. What will the neighbors think of us? Don't do that. We will be the laughing stock of the town. See, we, we give a lot of credit or due to being embarrassed in public or to be put to shame by people. It matters a lot what people think about us. It matters a lot how they perceive us. So a lot of people who then, even if they know the word, even if the, the Lord tells them so clear many times, they will say, I'm not willing to trust you, Lord, because I'll be put to shame. And they will willingly disobey, harden their hearts and rebel because they're not willing to disappoint men. We will serve those who we are unwilling to disappoint. Matthew 10.34 Jesus puts it so clearly. If you're imagining and they have a wrong idea of the Messiah, right? So Jesus corrects them. If you're imagining that I came to bring peace, that kind of peace to the earth, I'm not, Jesus said. He puts it straight. He says, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Sword is an instrument of war. It's not a an instrument for peace. So what is he talking about? Yes, Jesus is a God of peace, but what is this? He explains it. I have come to set a man against his own family, against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. How does that happen? That only happens in religion. When religions clash, that that will come to pass. See, when, when, when a belief now says, when a person now says in, in the family, I believe and trust in Jesus Christ, what is the fear of many, many Filipino Christians? I'm afraid what my family will think. And why are they saying they're afraid? They will be disappointed. They will be mad. Why? Because there is a clash now. There is now a divide. 
a sword has been cut, has, has sliced through our family. And so who are you unwilling to disappoint? And I've, I'm, I'm a youth pastor. I've been serving there for uh, several years. So many young people will tell me, I, I love God, I follow God. And I tell them, this is the command of God, that if you really follow Him, we follow Him in water baptism. And you know what they will tell me? Many will tell me. Uh, maybe later na lang. Because my parents will get mad. Eh. Are you seeing? Are you hearing? What, what is that? What is happening? There is now an unwilling. I don't want to. Because other people will be disappointed. I don't want to disappoint them. But Jesus says it this way. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you can't be my disciple. If you, don't, if you don't pay the cost, if you're not willing to pay the cost in following me, you can't. You're not. Jesus is never going to force you. Who are you unwilling to disappoint? There is a tragic fate of the unwilling. There's also a hope. You see, if you remain unwilling, despite the many wonderful grace and chances God has given you, Jesus will say this to you. Look. Behold. Your house is left to you desolate. Desolate, abandoned. Think about it. Jesus is in the temple. That is the house of God for many generations. Jesus himself, God himself declared, right? That's, that's, that's going to be my house. But because of the hardened, unwilling heart of the people, Jesus said, I'm going to abandon this house of worship. I'm going to abandon this. And what happened? What resulted? It became a dead and an abandoned religion. Absent of the one true God. What does that mean? Today, you could have a religion that is dead. Without God, the God, the one true God of the Bible in it. You could say you're a Christian. You could follow all the road laws, traditions. But your heart would be so far away. It's dead. It's a dead faith. It's a useless. And please feel the mercy, grace, broken heart of Jesus here. There is still hope because you're hearing the message. You're hearing this message. And what did Jesus say? He sends messengers. He sends prophets to you to tell you the truth. And if you're listening to this, it is not yet too late. 
You don't want to hear this when you're standing in front of His throne of judgment. Because He offers you right now, even today, an offered grace, a way out. Verse 39. I tell you, that's going to happen. And that's going to happen. Judgment is going to happen today. Until you say, until you say, there's a way out. There's salvation offered here and grace unconditional still. Until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Where did you hear that? You heard that from the people waving the branches, welcoming the Messiah, entering Jerusalem. People who truly believe that he was the Messiah. Jesus saying, until you say and believe, until you believe in me. Salvation is offered to you to, even today. Grace, again, is given to you. What will you do? Willingly trust God. Do not follow the tragic fate of the unwilling. Take seriously the warnings of God. Consider, test yourself, test your heart. God equates loving Him with uh, this changed heart. He gives you that heart. You know you are believing in Him if you are gladly obeying Him. And if you're not gladly obeying Him, cry out to be saved. Cry out, help me Lord. Help my unbelief. I want to believe. Don't go through the motions in an empty, abandoned religion. I pray that you would hear the broken-hearted cry of Jesus today and His words will give you life. Let's pray. Lord, we are praying that your people, we would diligently exercise what Paul advised us to do, Lord, commanded us to do. That is to test our faith in accordance to the word, not to be complacent, not to be deceived by just anything, anyone tell, teaching us to hold your word supreme. Your word is life. There is no one nothing else, nowhere else to go. I pray, Lord, that you would make your words come alive in our hearts, in the hearts of the listeners. There would be fruit that would bear, that it would be a willing trust, a delight, love. Thank you, Lord, that even today your grace never fails your mercy is new every morning you offer us salvation by grace through faith in jesus christ alone we pray all this in jesus name amen